Welcome to Evolve to Succeed, the podcast that brings together entrepreneurs, founders, business leaders, and experts to talk about their journeys and explore the link between personal and business success. I'm your host, Juan Munson, founder of Evolve, a coaching, training, and development company focused on enabling business and personal success and creating a community of like-minded individuals. Whether that be through our peer groups, one-to-one coaching, our training and development programs for you and your teams, or through our content and events, our mission is to get the best out of each individual and inspire them to be better both in life and in business. If you want to learn more about Evolve, including our beautiful co-working space in Ashley Cross in Paul, then please go to evolvemembers.com where you'll find great content, insights, details of all of our services and also information on our forthcoming events. For now though, let's get on with the show. This week, I'm talking to Shay O'Carroll, co-founder of Pixelmax, a hybrid working and virtual event hosting platform. Before the pandemic, very few of us had heard the term hybrid working, and most of us didn't really know what it was. Now, it's not only become a buzzword, it's also increasingly becoming the normal way of working and looks to stay that way. Like anything, hybrid working comes with both advantages and disadvantages. Greater freedom, but perhaps less spontaneous ideas and collaboration come to mind. And the whole model is sort of an experiment in progress. How can hybrid working be made better? And what long-term effects will it have both on businesses and individuals? And what about the rise of virtual events? How interactive can they become? Are they simply a good solution to bring us together in these strange and unpredictable times? Or are they another digital tool that's increasing our distance from each other? It's around these subjects and many others that Shay and I chat about today. It's a fascinating listen. Hello, Shay. Welcome to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. Hi, Warren. How are you doing? Yeah, great. Thank you. Really looking forward to our conversation to talk about all things hybrid working and how technology can help and make that a better experience. You are co-founder of Pixelmax. So I suppose for our listeners, we should start with, you know, could you explain a little bit about Pixelmax and where the concept came from? Yeah, so Pixelmax is a it's a platform effectively, but what we are is a virtual workplace. Um, the phrase we use is where virtual creates a better reality. So what we're really looking to do is enhance the hybrid work experience, making the, that, that experience more interactive, engaging and exciting. Um, in terms of the journey of how we got there, we started off uh, creating virtual factories in high value manufacturing environments. <clears throat> that was very much pre-COVID um, where we actually landed a really interesting uh, a contract with a large aerospace manufacturer, which at the point of the start of the pandemic, when the plane stopped flying, made for a really um, non-exciting week. Um, yeah. But the, the point being that we we kind of were developing these 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 interactive um, spaces where people could meet virtually well ahead of, of, of it being popular within a pandemic. Um, so what happened during, we, we basically took a pivot um, from that um, into virtual events because that seemed to be where mm. um, a lot of people were, were people were just striving to meet. And, and we were supposed to attend a large conference. It didn't work out. Uh, long story short, we've, we formed a steering committee, listened to what people wanted, didn't wanted, liked, didn't like during almost a perfect storm from a developing perspective. Um, and a lot of event professionals started to feed into us what they wanted. Um, what's happened since is that as we've started to move back towards hybrid working, people have wanted, they've still been kind of striving for this level of engagement and interactivity. 
Um, and they've been asking us to leave these worlds on. So instead of it being an eventing thing, it's now becoming a workplace thing, which is pretty, yeah, long story short, that's how we've come about. But that's a lot of dramatic change, I suppose we all have, haven't we? But that is a lot of dramatic change for a, you know, a relatively new startup business to go through. How's that felt as a kind of co-founder of the business? You know, the emotional journey must have been quite a significant one. Oh, it's been absolutely mad. I mean, my um, my two co-founders of young children, I had a, a newborn at that point, actually, at the start of the pandemic. Okay. So, like, obviously, the pressure at that point is is immense. When you're just looking <laughs> at that and everything, that's got, your whole pipeline has just been decimated. And from that point, it was kind of, we just need to get on with this. We need, we need to crack on, find a way forward. Um, we've always been quite reactive as a business, especially when you're smaller, you're able to kind of, um, you're able to react more quickly. Um, what, what's been most interesting, exciting is as we've moved through it and we've followed quite a logical process as we've developed is that we've been able to, um, maximize the investment journey at the same time. So as we came through back towards the, the end of, uh, 2019, we were effectively looking to get some kind of seed investment and we became quite an interesting prospect at that point. Um, yeah. as you can imagine with what was going on from getting that um, initial seed investment, we then very quickly, as in within four months, moved across to um, a pre-series A of 2 million. So we raised 2.25 million in the space of four months. Wow. Um, yeah. So at that point, we were sitting um, and thinking, wow, this is quite exciting. <laughs> This is um, it. We're in the right place, right time, right yeah, space. Also quite overwhelming. But um, and since then, we've effectively gone from a team of six people to a team of thirty-six, which is where we sit now. Um, so we've, you know, as as a company, we kind of we sit there now. We, I mean, we we are very hybrid as an organisation. As in, forty percent of the organisation are in office. Mm. The rest of us are all are all virtual. But as you can imagine, like all, during that journey, been like us as co-founders have sat there and thought, what on earth is going on? Well, firstly, congratulations for the fundraising round, because that's Thank not you. easy. That seed investment for a tech business is can be nigh on impossible to find. So yeah. you know, congratulations on that. Thank and you. then the rollout of it to get that scale of growth, you know, from six to 36, you know, again, it's, it's no small step to do that, is it? I, yeah. I, I We will talk about kind of the hybrid working and the kind of virtual world, but having had that success, is there any hints and tips for any listeners out there doing a fundraising round now on why you think you were successful? Um, I mean, for, for us, I mean, the, the feedback I've had is we kind of operate quite honestly. Myself and my co-founders, uh, Rob and Andy, were kind of quite complimentary in terms of Rob um, Hilton's come from a project management background and he's more operations. He's coming as CEO. My other co-founder, Andy, has come in from a technology background. He's... Um, He's, he's more chief in, well, he's now CIO, I think is the current thing. But the advice I would actually offer is to kind of follow your instincts and trust yourself. There was a time when we thought we were kind of telling investors what we wanted them to hear. Um, and then we were actually reminded by them that they were buying into the founders more than they were actually buying into the, the business per se. And to actually start to trust ourselves and trust our instincts. And I think the fact that you've got to that stage and the fact you're sitting in front of the investors, these are a very, very experienced and intelligent people. And they're only there to help you actually grow and survive. And I think that element of honesty with your investors is something that yep, there's elements where you think, I just want to tell them what they want here. And then you, on reflection, it's just just be as honest and open because you're actually strengthening your board. You surround yourself with people that can offer really, really helpful advice as you grow. Um, so I think, yeah, as long as you get the right investors, because there are also some real horror shows out there. So get the right ones, then trust them.
<laughs> and be honest. I like that. Yeah. That's some really good hints and tips. Definitely, yeah. definitely would agree with that too. Um, so I suppose my first question around kind of Pixel Max, and we'll talk about the event side, but in this kind of hybrid working world, how is it different to video conferencing? How is it different? To, you know, we've all got used to Teams and Zoom, but, you know, how is what you do different, Shay? Everything that we do has an element of immersion. So um, to give you an example, our, our workplace product, you walk into your virtual workplace. So just in the same way as you have a physical office, when you when you check into your Pixel Max office, you are walking through your office environment. You are engaging with um, your, your colleagues. And there are areas where you can drop in for meetings informally with staff. Um, you, can, you can build your own office space, which has something personal about you has the most frequent people that you speak to and their, their availability, um, even through to the ability to, you know, to order a, um, a coffee um, or some food online and to be able to actually have a lunch with somebody. Um, yeah. Really, what, what we're trying to do, a, a lot of people are very familiar with the idea of investing in their physical office. Um, and what, what we're doing is basically uh, extolling the virtues of investing in your a complementary uh, virtual workplace. So really removing that boundary of whether you're in the office or um, out of office, removing that barrier and leveling the playing field in terms of where you're at. But a lot of that requires a, a, a large level of engagement. You know, we, we are naturally visual people. Mm. Um, I mean, the, the game engine industry, the gaming industry has been you know, solving these kind of problems in terms of collaboration uh, for a long time. And it's, you know, it's, it's actually out there in that space. It's been, it's been readily, um, addressed in terms of bringing people together globally. All we're really doing is, is applying similar technology, but in an enterprise version. Um, our focus has always been on the human level. Um, okay. That engagement and interactivity we've missed, but also on a well-being level. Um, so all the way from the start, and you know, people talk about us being events and then workplace. It's all the same thing because you know, your workplace has a series of events in it, whether it's a meeting, an internal launch, an external launch. There are lots and lots of things we're familiar with. An event is lunchtime, um, and one of the things we might do on a lunch hour is you, we, you know, we have a, a well-being challenge. It might be a number of steps that you do with a colleague. Um, it might be a yoga um, um, sequence that you do. And, and effectively, what, what we're building is a place where you can integrate lots of things that people will commonly do within a workplace. But regardless of, of where you are location-wise, you're removing those barriers. So it's really about driving that human interaction and engagement back into the business, but not forgetting at a corporate level, there's been a lot of brand dilution. You as a business, you know, we, we've got companies who have invested fortunes in their head office because they want a particular look and feel for that. Um, and and what I suppose what we're the, the route we're going is invest this, invest within your digital real estate as well. Um, so you know we're building something which our clients own. They own their digital real estate in the same way as they own um, their, their physical. And then what we're doing is integrating lots of their existing workflows and systems like. Microsoft or Slack or, you know, we, we, there's, a, there's a lot of integration we look at, but integrating the within the um, the digital environment, the same as you are in the physical. So it's it's more around building something around your existing workplace, but but representative of your business and no business in my experience is the same. No, no, absolutely not. And I love that, though. It's a representative. So you're sat at home, you've got your colleague in the office, but you're in the same kind of environment because you I suppose you've used those skills you had in terms yeah. of working with the aerospace company in their factory, you're just replicating that as the online kind of working environment that people see and feel. What's really interesting, and when I did a bit of research, is I love that fact that you're not trying 
to commute though, though with the communication tools, are you? The, like you say, you're integrating with all the other communication tools and best of breed out there that people can bring in to that environment. It's about creating the space and the workplace. Yeah, I mean, the the communication tools are utilities from our perspective. Like, you know, early areas of the pandemic, without doubt, were platforms like Zoom and Teams. Mm-hmm. Um, and they allowed businesses, like front and foremost, to continue functioning. Um, and then, you know, very quickly, things like Zoom fatigue um, or another um, have, have become a thing. Um, for us, it's it's more about being able to integrate the things that people are doing already. And it's it's those those utilities are still going to be there. But we kind of want to make sure that people are, are you know, they, they're spending equal or more time working remotely. So it's kind of making that experience engaging and fun and then enabling people to have a more enhanced experience as opposed to focusing on a very, very busy marketplace. I mean, you know, if, if you look at the number of companies, we did very, very in-depth reports um, that are they're popping up in that that flat space. And I'm not saying that those providers are bad. There's a lot of great products out there, but there's a lot of products owned by, by major companies. We're kind of trying to wrap that all within a an engaging 3D environment and something that's more instinctive. So some people have likened us to a, um, a kind of website of the future, but it's something you're immersed in and it's a place that you're arriving in and, and you are being somewhere. Um, and that the really important bit for us is that, that ability to just have an impromptu chat with someone, uh, something that's informal, drop out, um, be able to do something creative, a whiteboard session or something like this. But it's it's really like focusing on on that level of engagement. Really interesting to hear you like go back to what we were doing in aerospace. And you're absolutely right. It was what what they had was a load of corporates or execs that were flying from all over the world to meet in one location to discuss maybe five different locations. So our, our mm. simple logic was let's recreate the location. Let's let you just all meet in there virtually. It was a much harder, um, harder sell back then. If I'm going to be because because we have people saying there is no chance our exact board are going to meet online. And if you think about during the progress we've made during the pandemic, we've had to do it. So a lot of people that were um, I don't want to say fixing the ways that sounds quite judgmental, but people that were comfortable with a certain way of working have had to adapt, which is what's opened up this opportunity to embrace it. Yeah, but I think that's a, that is across the board, isn't it? With hybrid working, there's a lot of businesses and you know to a certain degree I was one of them that was a little skeptical about kind of well, how effective would work from home be and and that kind of thing but we all had to do it didn't we? we all got in had to immerse in it we all had to trust our teams um but the piece that's been missing which is interesting from where you say pixel max sits is for me and you know it's that coin that phrase the water cooler moments isn't it it's how do you get those interactions and and how do you be human when actually typically if you've got half the team working at home, half the team in the office. The office team are having that, but those at home are just sat there responding to emails, maybe jumping on the occasional team or Zoom calls, but there's none of that, you know, being human moments during the course of the day. And it it can can get quite lonely. Uh, Totally. And it's uh, that informal communication as we've gone through and that we've we've put names on things, but that element of informal communication is a big part of the workplace. And if you think about from a creativity perspective, a lot of creativity or or creative um, elements of a business or when people are working together is an informal moment. It's not in a formal meeting where you're doing it. Um, And for us, especially with our teams, you know, we practice what we preach. We work in our environment, we meet in our environment, we, we have dropout sessions or drop-in sessions and all of these things. But 
if you have a moment and you just want to catch hold of someone and just collar them and say, listen, just meet me literally by the water cooler, because of course we've done that. Um, but but let's have a little chat about that and get someone to be able to walk in and then be able to hear what you're having as a conversation and people to be able to build something naturally. I think that is, especially for us as creatives, as innovators, it was something that was very difficult to do remotely. Um, so quite a lot of the things that are the features um, within our platform are actually things that we needed as we were innovating through a through a, a remote working time, basically. So it's not that everything was planned. I think some things were just necessity. But it's, yeah. it's absolutely so it's really critical. The other thing that's really interesting on that side is that we've actually, so we run, um, obviously, having a relatively small office um, just with the ratio of hybrid working. Um, we do um, meetings where we've got people in front of us and then we've got people remotely. And if you just imagine the time lag of what you're presenting, um, it's quite difficult to navigate. Um, yeah. but, but as we're running these things and we're experiencing the challenges like that like front on, um, in the in the past with PowerPoint, you'd want to see a preloaded slide. Now you kind of want to see what's currently live whilst you're talking about the, the next slide, which is a really interesting challenge. But as we're working through that, we're getting feedback via text. Um, so we're enabling the teams to feedback and people who within a physical or virtual meeting, which is relatively intimidating, and mm -hmm. people who would normally not have a voice are getting a voice. So there are actually some really interesting like nuances that we didn't expect where we're getting it, it was in fact it was our well-being team that was set up by two people who messaged it during a team meeting saying any chance we could look at doing this and we thought what a great thing again never saw it coming so yeah the, the, the advent of this is kind of some of these things have just popped up out of nowhere it's interesting isn't it in how tech develops and yeah and but and but you got to have your ears open, haven't you? And you got can't be just channeled down right. This is the route we're going. But clearly, from that opening piece, that's not what you and your co-founders and now the whole team are all about. It's about listening, getting feedback, and and making those improvements. Oof. I mean, it's it's interesting you say that because it's all good and well us listening, and we do form we form steering committees of professionals with every product we've developed, whether it's virtual factories, whether it's for events. Um, all the way through to workplace and <clears throat> we've been really fortunate in terms of the consultancies that one of the largest workplace consultancies in the world was working with us on on the last one and we, there's an element of you you are actively listening to people um, and then you're that's also feeding directly into your development roadmap and um, it's a really fine balance listening and developing at the same time because you need focus um, and if i were to say to you we've you know it within a, as an organization we often go through a process whereby we'll have three really tough weeks where we really work hard to refine and drill down to where are we bringing benefits to our clients? Where is the value to our clients? And, you know, a lot of this integration pieces come out the back of it. Uh, you know, we do have built-in video conferencing tools and diaries, and but there's some amazing companies out there doing things like that. So why would we try and better them? But yeah. it's the, the process of listening to your team, listening to your clients, um, and then also informing your development roadmap is, is a really fine balance. And it's, I'd say, as an organization, it's one of the things that we really, uh, we commonly um, are focusing on. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I suppose you've also done quite a lot of research. So I'm quite intrigued just to see what some of that research says about just generally with hybrid working, what some of those sort of more positive and negative effects have been shown. You share some of those insights with us yeah um it's i mean there's there's some stats and i'll give you a little insight into those um and we are actually there is a thought leadership piece we've put a lot of time into which we will be releasing imminently 
Um, I okay. think we're in the final the final revision of that. Um, the one of the interesting things when I was just looking through actual stats was that, that before COVID, we had around eighty five percent of employees were in the office working every day or most of the days. Um, and post COVID, you've got thirty two percent wanting to work remotely every day, fifty two percent wanting to do two to three days remotely, and only twelve percent one um, wanting to work remotely um, once a week. The it kind of demonstrates that we've moved and we've now got 84% of a, a workforce wanting a hybrid model. So it's almost flipped on its head. And um, mm. when we start to look at things like that, you you are it, you know fully frontally looking at the challenge that a lot of organizations are, are out there are asking. And you know, the question that kind of keeps coming back to us is how bigger, how big a piece of real estate do we need? Um, and and how much of that is now going to be digital? So that that um, there's a lot more in terms of the, uh, the 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 research that we do, but that that for me is something that's been quite outstanding as we've moved through this process to see such a massive change in such a short period of time. Yeah, exactly, Chair. I think it's that change in such a short space of time, isn't it? And I think you know most, I suppose, entrepreneurial businesses, but you know even those forward-thinking corporates are working now towards and implementing change so that there is this mix between hybrid and real world and all of those kind of things are happening but you can see that there is going to be some businesses that are left behind and in this kind of world where you know resource and people are scarce you know finding good people has always been a challenge but it is now even you know more challenging than it's ever been you're going to have to be in that new world aren't you you can't be in a kind of world where you know, you are making people come into the office five days a week, nine to five in kind of an office environment. I mean, I, I can speak for us as a business and we have to absolutely, um, <clears throat> you know, in the marketplace at the moment, developers especially, but anyone of, of particular talent, it's, I've always seen when we interview people, it's our job to win those people into the business as opposed uh, to the other way around. Um, and th that's normally the way it gets to when when we're doing final, uh, final interviews. Um, and as we're seeing, you you need to be able to offer the right work package to the right people and it doesn't necessarily mean that you're forcing people to do one or another we've got people who prefer to come into the office mm. um they you know they, they live in a small place and so maybe the city center it's convenient they just want to get out of the house they're social and but then the other extreme you've got people who want to be at home they're concerned about traveling i don't think that's going to go away i think you know some naturally and um, all of us are going to be paranoid as we move forward and I think it's having the right set of tools to be able to adapt to what people want and put the right package in place or flexibility in place even to, to work around your employees and, and the staff um, whilst getting the most out of people, which again comes back to the point of engagement. But it's for us, it's been that's been a, an interesting challenge. When we came back into the office, you know, we, we were very starkly aware of the fact we'd employed people in bristol in northern ireland and and you know we, it was kind of it just didn't matter um and and now we're getting to the point where some of those people have actually moved to be closer to the office because they feel like they want to be part of the team um like you know onboarding and um, just under 30 people in this period of time when when nobody was in the office i mean interviews everything it's the funniest thing for me um i i, I mean this isn't particularly uh formal or relevant to the business but you don't know what height anybody is. No. You, you just see all these people and like, it's like just completely, I mean, there's an element of that that's really nice because, you know, things that maybe in the background, people maybe thought they were being judged um, for, for being from certain backgrounds or heights or, or particularly short like I am. Um, 
maybe being judged or corporately um, struggling with advancement. I could be as tall as you want right here. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, yeah, it's strange because we, yeah, we run sort of learning and development programs for business leaders. And yeah, we've had during the, the whole period, we've had, you know, we've used Zoom, but, you, you know, we've had 12 business leaders on the call. And then recently, you brought them into the real world. And you look, you see them looking at each other, trying to recognize each other because everybody's, <laughs> everybody's <laughs> different shapes and sizes to what you expect when all you get is a head and shoulders shot. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Um, I suppose one of the things to ask, though, is if we're moving more to this kind of, you know, and perhaps we'll touch about on Facebook's announcements and all of where they, they're going, but we're moving more to this kind of, virtual world so maybe not just in a kind of work environment because i can yeah. clearly see the benefits of that and we immerse ourselves in that do you think we there's an error there's a danger i suppose that we become less human yeah um it's a real risk it's something that we we are particularly aware of um so we from the start of of this journey where we moved from um well just again pre-pandemic we've worked closely with an occupational psychologist called sarah clark uh, because we've needed advice. Uh, we were worried about, about how to obviously employ this level of people, but so many clients asking the same, the same um, recurring questions around people and happiness. And I think it's, it, you know, as much as I'd love to say we've got a tool for that, I think if anything, we need to be bolstering our HR function and um, mm -hmm. spending more time checking people are okay. Um, you know, we have buddy sessions, we have wellbeing moments um, and, you know, they're all good and well, but I think from a, um, from a HR perspective, I think it's something that we all need to really focus on as we move forward. It's not been easy for a lot of people. Um, I don't think it's going to get any easier for a while. Um, and, you know, the human element of a business, and, you know, we we obviously have a responsibility to care for our staff, but we genuinely do. Um, and I think it, it's one of those things as we move forward, we just need to be really conscious of the fact that everybody has been through a tough time and, and just taking the time out to speak with people. I'm not saying I'm amazing at it. But um, some of my, my, my colleagues, Andy and Rob, um, are particularly good at, at taking time out to, to, to take time with staff. And I mean, the, my kind of initiatives is I started the hot wing challenge on a Friday uh, just to get people out of the work environment and have a bit of fun. And, and you, know, uh, you know, we all have our own styles, I suppose. But I, I think that human element is something that ought not to be lost. And I mean, for me, I, I, I couldn't wait to get back to a gig. I, I love meeting in person. I enjoy the idea of um, I'm a very sociable person. So it's it's not that it's an all or nothing and you know that that human element i don't think any of us can lose sight of it we've seen some amazing things we did a we did a um we did a event for uefa and we actually did something we always try to do something that you couldn't do in the in the real world so it was the women's champions league um final um uefa champions league final we did an event for that which was an outreach project around attracting young women into the sport not necessarily footballers all, all sorts of people one of my favorite moments was when we were connecting young, we connected a young fan with her hero and she clicked on something expecting to see a video. And then she's literally chatting to one of her idols. Uh, so, you know, you do something like yeah. that and then you stand back and go, wow, you know, this is really impactful stuff that you would never really get to do in, in the real world. So yeah, it's, it's definitely a focus, if not a passion of ours. Brilliant. Fantastic. And, and talking about those, those events and all of those, that side of things have you seen virtual events continue or are people moving back into the real world in terms of events um it's a really interesting dynamic at the moment um so i mean we as a business have been, have been really embracing moving back into physical events we have continued to run uh, virtual events uh, we just did another one for you for two weeks ago actually 
um, which was the draw for the Euros next year. And as we kind of migrate towards um, what we've called always on or the virtual workplace, it's kind of becoming a series of events that are happening more often. So whereas um, during the pandemic, there was a lot of people meeting for major events, what we're seeing now are a lot of brands that we're working with um, and lots of little interesting metaverse type projects popping up. We're actually delivering and rolling them out as a series of events as they get feedback from people who they're meeting with as to what they want it to look like. Because uh, you know we, we use real world architects um, to build the virtual worlds and we build it around the parameters of what people want to do in the environment. The best way to do that is to work with your client to explore the activities you want to carry out. So okay. we're, we're actually seeing this migration now into more and more shorter events, which effectively are in some cases just becoming something that's on all the time because it's being used so often. Um, and that's very much the, the roadmap that, that we're seeing at the minute. Um, I, I mean, there's, there's some like completely like we've been blown away recently. There's one project um, more in the, um, in the, the blockchain or crypto world. And we're, we're working, I can't go into detail at the moment, but um, I think we're going to be delivering on that. I genuinely think it could be one of the biggest metaverse projects in the world. And it's just come about like we cannot believe the momentum that some projects are getting. Um, obviously, when you've got a world like crypto, they move faster. But some yeah. of the things we're seeing right now, it's like we can't believe that, 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 that the momentum that things are having. But again, they don't want something basic, boring, that isn't engaging, want, like wants to keep their people want. Uh, in the gaming world, we call it AAA. Uh, but if people want something that feels like the real world or is more exciting or as exciting as or you're getting more out of it but yeah it's, it's an interesting transition yeah i'm sure it definitely sounds like it and it sounds like it's, it's a great opportunity to be creative but there's clearly challenges that go with it when you're when you're running the business day to day i'm, I'm sure so i suppose one of that those things would use that term metaverse and we've seen facebook and their announcements so where's your prediction as an early kind of adopter an early business in this space Where's your prediction for, you know, where we're going to be in 5, 10, 15 years time in terms of the metaverse? It's, it's interesting to see people at like, you know, absolute monsters in the industry hypothesizing about, about the metaverse and what it is. It's, I, I've worked with a lot of people who've been delivering versions of this for a long time, whether it's for, um, you know, inductions into hospitals, which we've worked on, or um, teaching very complex um metabolic processes and there's there's we've it's not new to us per se i don't want to sit here and say we've been doing it forever but we have been doing elements of what you would now consider as a metaverse and we've been researching it academically we've got two award-winning papers in virtual reality inducting kids into proton beam therapy and um augmented reality in education and they're both award-winning papers and the reason we did that is we wanted to validate the effectiveness of the technology and its use so if I was going to go then to answer you from a, a prediction, the, my prediction is it will start doing the things where we see the most value. Um, we've got one large corporate client who have 40 people who are real leaders who, who meet up globally um, and they're meeting within um, their version of a metaverse, as you, you would say, for their business. They're then going developing that and they're using that to roll out their products within their consecutive regions in all different languages. Um, so... I, I can see these high value activities where people are getting a huge amount of um, 
benefit for them as an organization, perhaps saving a lot of overhead. And let's not forget about the environmental impact of all the travel and things like mm. that. So I think we will naturally fall into the areas where we're seeing the most benefit. Um, and then as na naturally within um, any of these, these, uh, these technologies, we always focus on removing the barrier to entry, which is primarily cost. Um, it used to be cost and adoption, but adoptions, we've really been helped on adoption. That's kind of been uh, blown away, really. We've yeah. all adopted, haven't we? So, so for us, it's about investing in like server-side technology all the way through to client base where people can actually have their own versions, which maybe you're logging into as your workplace. So um, I think we'll move into that quite quickly. I, I dare not look further than one year because I think the progress we're going to make in one year would be more than I would expect within 10. <laughs> the patients <laughs> are going at the moment. So do you think... That we're gonna the, the kind of you know, there's adoption already in the gaming world. Yeah, you're bringing and others are bringing adoption into the workplace. Do you think they're going to be the two drivers that mean that you know we converse in everyday life in so, terms of in a in a kind of virtual metaverse kind of world? So I do think that's going to happen. Um, I'm already seeing it happening in certain community type projects. So there's one that we're doing for the architectural community called Material Source, and you actually have 39 of the world's leading brands from an interior fit-out perspective. And they're all, there's actually a physical place that's been built built to showcase that in Manchester. Um, and we're building a digital version of that where people can then globally access it and things are available and you can obviously change up content more easily than you would physical content. And I think that migration from a, a, a purely physical delivery to a, a hybrid of the two is very natural. And I definitely feel that's going to be the way forward. Um, I think what I particularly like about that project in particular is that they, they haven't lost the physical. Um, so that ability to meet up and, and to bring that element. Um, from what I'm seeing in the marketplace, absolutely, I think the two are coming together. There's another project we're working on, which is more around uh, first responder training. And uh, this is a company who are global uh, first responder trainers, but it's, 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 it's quite advanced in terms of what they deliver. Um, so they're delivering things like first responder training for mass casualty incidents in response. It, you can imagine what a mass casualty incident mm. might be. Um, so you've got companies like that. They're delivering that. They used to travel around and deliver things. Now what they want to do is focus on having the, the stuff that they, they repetitively do that can be enriched by our workflows within a digital realm, but then overlaying that with, with real events and people actually acting out the scenes and doing things like that. So it will be a combination of the two, but I think that there is a, there's a, there's a, there's a line which one benefits the other. And I think that's, that's where we'll stick. Brilliant. Fantastic. And from an, your own business, from an investment perspective, you know, when Facebook announces, you know, they are going to effectively pivot into the metaverse. How does that make you feel in terms, because that must make it, I would say easier to source investment, doesn't it? Have you talked to your existing seed investors and, and what's the feeling yeah. about the space that you're in right now? Um, so our, our um, the, the two the two main investors we have right now are Pretura um, and Act Capital. So Pretura, a Manchester-based firm, Act Capital, are based across in Australia. Um, they are really complementary to us as a business. Uh, we've been talking to them for around four months about about the Series A upcoming Series A and timing. Mm. Um, of course, they want to. Um, they, they've already they're already coming back in on those rounds. Um, and for us, it's kind of optimizing preloading resource, which is what we've always done. So we make sure we've got the resource there ahead of the demand because you can't not deliver. Um, and it's the kind of the opportunity in the marketplace. And it's to say we have regular catch ups with these guys. It's at least once a week at the moment. 
Um, and so absolutely there's an appetite for that. Um, and it's finding that balance between the amount you dilute and at which point and which valuation you go with. Uh, we're, we are also potentially looking at a, a third party coming in who can help us to um, to kind of maximize the opportunity that's coming our way, just based on the level of global opportunities that we're seeing. Um, and it, that, you know, they're significant. And with that comes infrastructure, which, you know, we are going to need to continue to evolve. So the investment journey, mostly headed up by Rob Hilton, who's CEO in the business, and he, he's really good at um, continually keeping them up to date. Uh, but yeah, it's something we, we always keep a close eye on because it's it's a fine balance in terms of finding the right moment. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I think we're quite fortunate, if I'm honest. Like some of the some of the guidance we're getting, it's really like top rate advice, and we feel like we're almost benefiting from an incredible board with the with the investors we have behind us. That's brilliant, isn't it? That's how it should work, isn't it? And it, yeah. it when it works, that's how it should work. And it's great to hear you've got two great investors on board i suppose turning to you personally then because doing a little bit of sort of research on you shay before you became a founder in pixel max you had a really successful career kind of in the corporate world as somebody else's kind of employee so yeah. perhaps share with us you know how have you found that experience the transition from kind of being a successful person in the corporate world to actually starting your own business and going on your own entrepreneurial journey so my when I my last role so before that I was working for Canon uh, which was a you know a true corporate role um, and I moved yeah. from that uh, then working for a company who were building a tech division so I was the fourth employee of that tech division within two and a half years we grew that to I think fifty two staff um, I think three point two million turnover and that experience was amazing got to work under an amazing MD a lady called Michelle Grief um, who just inspired a lot of us uh, we all kind of bought into her as a person. Um, towards the end of that journey, there was a change in management, which I won't go into too much detail on. But what we, what I did do, I say we because Andy Sands, one of my co-founders, also worked in that business. Uh, but what we did learn in that role was the cultural importance of investing in your staff and, you know, really enabling your team to to evolve and develop. Um, when when we moved into this role, where we basically just moved away from it was architecture and construction, we started again. Um, in virtual factories because it's the right thing to do. Uh, we didn't want to go and start trying to poach customers. It's just it's just not appealing to us. So we went and started from scratch and we started to build a, a company. But from the start, the the importance that we've 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 held around um, investing in the right people, being as honest as we can, allowing people to give us the ideas that are going to fuel the future of the company. And even to, to now, we've got a culture where we've got internally a committee of people. Um, asking the same questions um, amongst the staff as we are at a board level. And we're really looking forward to seeing their feedback. So, so we're kind of running uh, feedback in tandem now because the people we've been able to employ with the benefit of investment, I mean, I've never worked with a better team in my life. It's absolutely incredible. And some of the ideas that come out of that, it's outstanding. So I suppose what we kind of learned from traditional corporate worlds and, you know, pre-COVID, it's not, I'm not trying to speak badly of employers here. Um, but for us, we've kind of learned to like invest in your staff and then listen to them mm. and allow them to, that, that fine balance I talked about before, which is really important. But um, being able to do that, um, I'm, you know, we were doing an interview yesterday and in that interview, we were being grilled on precisely this. And that, that's how interviews are now. We really want this member of staff. And effectively, we were, with the three co-founders were being grilled by this potential <laughs> member of staff. 
And they were asking about just this and how we operate these processes, how we listen to staff. And, you know, these are people who've come from corporate backgrounds who will not do it again. So it's, yeah. it's, it's interesting to see that, but that, that is what we, what we've learned from, um, for me, perhaps a bit too much honesty sometimes, um, you know, when we were, when we were like six or seven people, we used to have a few beers in the office and then it became a point where it's like, it's just not okay anymore. It's becoming a bit raucous. It just doesn't feel right. And like, you know, migrating away from being, I suppose not over familiar, but you know, there's a point, I think there's a line between work and play and, and it's respecting that as well. There is a journey, isn't there? I think, you know, you know, I can remember that as, as growing in our businesses and yeah, when you, when you're there, that, that handful of people, it's, it's just natural, isn't it? Because you're a cohort of like-minded individuals who have come together with a focus, passion and belief. And yeah. one or two of you may own the business but you're all in it together. And it's how do you keep that energy and spirit and that kind of through growth, isn't it? And, yeah. and, but how do you get the balance between actually it's still it's some of the things you do then, you know, you can't act in that way when you're 30, 40, 50 people. It's just not possible. So it's interesting to see that you're, I love that idea of you sh posing the same questions that you're discussing around the board table about strategy and growth and where next to a sort of a cohort of him employees and team members as well That's yeah. it wasn't my idea it was it was actually uh rob and andy uh who who came up with that strategy so i can't take credit i've got to <laughs> we'll give them credit for it but it's yeah. great i will do i'll pass it on to them <laughs> so how in the last few years you you've talked about you know start of covid you know first child came along all of that how are you finding balancing kind of family life and personal success alongside the success you're having within the business Shay? Um, I love you said personal success, which as a co-founder, any co-founder knows you're not personally successful at this point. You're just paying yourself a wage and it's that simple. Uh, but the on, on the family life... For if you're me, doing that, you're doing well. If you're paying yourself a wage, eh? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. As opposed to, you know, go back three years and we were putting our savings in to pay the wages. Mm, yeah. uh, so, <laughs> but the but I suppose on a personal level, for me, I've got like a, a kind of shack in the lakes um, that every weekend, myself, my partner, and our, our young child, we go across to, and it's literally like a digital detox. I get there, I listen to vinyl, um, I do enjoy a scotch, um, I'll read a paper, and I kind of have a digital detox and just spend time with my family, with my with my young son, uh, with my, my partner, and we literally live quite a wholesome life where we enjoy going walking around and doing all these walks and and all these these things that probably seem quite traditional. Um, so it's you know for, for me that family side you know, that that support network is what's got me here personally mm. so obviously you've got I think you've got to put as much back into that as you possibly can it's also really great fun um, my other two co-founders are the same and we go through elements we you know we keep our eyes on each other we um so Rob who we mentioned we by force made him take two days off uh, the other week because he was working too hard he was writing too many emails into the into the night so we literally banned him from work for two weeks and we, 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 we do have to keep an eye on each other for that balance. Um, and I've always said from the start, it's got to be fun. Um, we do make sure that we have fun along the way, uh, you know, with the staff. And, and you know, we, you know, we've got some, like, some fun uh, trips coming up that, you know, they're corporate and they're, they're really relevant to the business and they're building partnerships. But they're also, we make sure that we enjoy ourselves and we have, you know, have a good laugh along the way. Because I think that's as important as anything else, isn't it? Yeah, well, we only live the life once, don't we? So we've got to yeah. have fun and enjoy it along the way. And but your, yeah, your shack in the lakes sounds idyllic, actually, with vinyl and just walks and time with the family. 
Definitely. It's interesting though that digital detox is important to you in a business that you know you're growing this kind of height this virtual world where people yeah. interact digitally so um for me that's quite reassuring because that's saying there's people behind this business that are, that are human and understand that need of separation yeah we all do i mean the thing is i you know my background i'm not into football i love gigs and i love live yeah. gigs i like my my music live and in person and i did attend some virtual gigs during the pandemic and i didn't enjoy them in the same manner and I think, you know, it, it's all good and well saying that the future is meta or, you know, it, it, the future is the, the, the future is what people want it to be, in my opinion. And it's enabling people to have the right tools to to get on with stuff. The, the one thing it does enable is the fact that I can go and work from a shack as opposed to being in the office and maybe work, yeah. you know, Friday afternoon from there and make the most of the time with the family. And, yeah. and that that balance, you know, that that for me is an example of a benefit of hybrid working is I get more time with my family as opposed to sitting in traffic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but the, yeah, the in-person stuff, it never goes away. I saw something recently. I'm not sure if you've seen it. It was released by the Icelandic tourist board called the Icelandverse. Where they are just telling you about how lovely Iceland is as a place to go and visit. Um, and I, I really enjoyed that perspective. It's like full immersion and the guy steps into a, you know, a, 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 a geothermal spa. And it's, you know, it's, and it's a fantastic like perspective, I think, in terms of, let's not all just focus on on the on the digital element of this let's just do the bits that enable us to do more of the bits that we enjoy yeah perfect what a, what a great way to end the podcast but i do end with one final question is in this journey you're on what does success mean to you shay um i mean success like i've already touched on one bit which is spending as much time as possible with my family especially yeah. with a young son i think that's 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 as good as it gets in terms of time um, the, I've always said, I mean, when we were first going through investment questions and I was asked what, you know, where I want the business to go. And, and I said that, you know, I'd like to be sitting on your side of the table um, and in a position where I didn't really have to think about money. I think it can be a massive distraction, but I don't think you need that much either for it not to be. Um, and I suppose one of the things that I've found since investment is that we've all been able to focus on doing the best we possibly could, as opposed to the distraction of things like cash flow, which is always there. Don't get me wrong. But, but for me, success um, is, I mean, the team that we are building, if we maintain that trajectory with a, a bunch of people we love working with who we all see as an amazing team, that's successful. Um, we continue to work on some amazing projects. You know, we're working with some of the biggest brands in the world. Um, and, you know, go back two and a half years ago, some of the clients that we were advised to turn away from brought so much stress. But if we continue to be aligned to some of some world leading projects, we've got an amazing bunch of people around us and we're all spending great time with our families. I think that that for me feels like a, a great level of success. The, the interesting thing for us is our clients, we're, we're the spade manufacturer per se in the gold rush. We've got lots of clients who use our tool to deliver metaverses. We've, we've seen two or three clients now that are, are, are becoming multimillionaires. Um, and it, that's not for us to do. You know, we, we are just giving people the tools to do and they're taking their risk. Um, but for us to be, keep being able to do that and work with those people and enable them, it feels great. It's really nice to see people like putting in the same effort you are or you have and then watching them, albeit sooner than us, um, have a great time. <laughs> Succeed. <laughs> I like it. So you, you're defined as a spade in the gold rush. I like that. Yeah. Um, it's been great having a conversation with you, Sherry. It's great to have learned a little bit more about the virtual world, the metaverse, but you're also you as an individual and some of the things that are important to you. So thank you for coming on the Evolve to Succeed podcast. If people do want to know a little bit more about you and a little bit more about Pixel Me, where can they go? Yep. So it's pixelmax.com. 
um, is the website. We're on LinkedIn as PixelMax, Twitter at PixelMax World. Um, there is going to be some really interesting stuff coming out soon in terms of the thought leadership piece on the uh, the workplace um, product demonstrator, which I think are going to get a, a nice bit of traction. Um, and there are some, I can't talk about that yet. I was going to talk, we're about to be on some well-known marketplaces as well as a product, but I'm not in a position where I can mention those yet. But coming to a marketplace near you. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you, Shay. Thank you, Warren. Appreciate your time. Thank you for listening to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. My hope with every episode is that you've learned something new or heard something that challenged your way of thinking and further motivated you on your path towards becoming a more knowledgeable, informed and inspired individual and business leader. If you enjoyed this episode, then please help us by rating, reviewing and subscribing. We really value your feedback and would love to have you along for future episodes. And please don't forget to learn more about Evolve by going to evolvemembers.com. Thank you for listening. See you next week.